Penn State football coach James Franklin recently got candid about this 2023 team in an interview. I hope he wasn't bluffing about how good he thinks they are. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. My name is Zach Seiko. I'm your host of the show. Today's episode, yes, we're going to reflect on James Franklin's recent comments about the team in an on three interview. Uh, It was really an insightful 12 minutes from Coach James Franklin. Talks about Drew, Olu Fashionu, both the running backs, Singleton and Allen. Talks about the defense as a whole and some players that he specifically highlighted on the defensive side of the football. But what it all means here in the first two segments. And then we're going to get some final thoughts. It's been a week, a week, just about a little over a week has gone by. But some final thoughts about the Elite 11 camp that saw Ethan Grunkmeyer, who just committed the day before and then got the Elite 11 finals invitation on just the day after. Final thoughts on that in the final segment with special guest Zane Bransfield. Of course, Locked on Nittany Lions is now your go-to podcast for Penn State Rivals. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com for all the latest on Penn State football, men's basketball, all 31 varsity sports. Okay. James Franklin addressed quite a bit in, in just about 12 minutes with on three, uh, did this almost uh, about five days ago here and talked about managing expectations, the noise, of course, the same questions that everybody wants to know. Drew Aller, Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, the wide receivers, just the overall flair of the offense. And then what the defense is going to do specifically about guys like Abdul Carter. But we'll start with Drew Aller and what James fielded in terms of questions from there. Uh, James said that Drew Aller can make every single throw imaginable. And this is why I started off this episode. I hope he's not bluffing. I really hope not. He had high praise for Drew Aller. There weren't normally James is he's good about giving positive feedback about his team and about his players, but he won't give credit where credit isn't due. And everything that he said about Drew, there were two things that stuck out, of course, that Drew can make any throw that you ask him to or just about every throw. So 99% of the throws that you would like him to make. And then on top of that, he said that Drew Aller is much more mobile than people give him credit for. So does that mean that Drew is going to be involved in some option plays and some keepers? We did see it in the blue and white game. He kept it on one specific play where he got maybe about 10 yards there before the two-hand touch from the linebacker. But yes, Drew is a very mobile quarterback in terms of pocket presence. When you need straight line speed, I'm going to pick some other players in a race. Now, Drew Aller, of course, is much faster than myself, and I'm a lot faster than some other athletes. But when you're looking for a guy to tuck in and run 40-yard dash, I would trust Bo Bo Prabula more than I would Drew Aller. And plus, I don't want to put Aller too much in harm's way. I do like the idea of quarterback sneaks. I do feel comfortable if he rolls out, tucks the football, and runs for five yards. So if it's a third and five, I trust Drew Aller to do that. But if you're saying, hey, it's second and 15, let's drop the option play, 
probably not something I'm going to agree with, but that's what James Franklin shared is that Drew is more mobile than people give him credit for. When you're talking about pocket presence, we already saw this from his freshman season. Drew is very shifty in the pocket. I like that he's good at dodging pass rushers. He's not just a big frame where he can shake them off. He can just shoulder them off. He is able to slide and step where he needs to. And that is also a testament to his QB vision. That's why he can be more mobile because he knows what steps to take. He doesn't just have to race around. It's not exactly Lamar Jackson, but he's not a statue either like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. He does have some movement to him. And I think that's important because I think we will see option quarterback keepers from Drew Aller. I think we will see quarterback sneaks. I know we are going to see Drew take off and run when the lane is there. So hopefully defenses don't put a quarterback spy on him and they underestimate that. But more importantly, he can make all the throws that you need him to, or James Franklin said just about all of them. So that is obviously more important because James also went on to say that Drew is a typical NFL pocket passer quarterback. Typical NFL quarterback. I like that. I, I, I hope that's the case. I hope Drew, if everything goes right, Drew Aller is the starter for two years. He's a first round pick and he's off. And then it's Bo Prabula or, you know, I'm not going to count out Jackson Smolik and Ethan Grunkmeyer in this case. But the idea is to have Drew start this year, next year, go off to the NFL as a first round pick. Okay. On to the running backs. And of course, James doesn't need to say a lot about Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. Of course, he reiterated the fact, something that the every the everydayers know on this podcast is that Nicholas Singleton, we've always dubbed him as the home run hitter. I mean, everybody has, right? The guy that had over a 1,000 yards rushing, over six yards per carry. Uh, he is the person who's going to give you the big playability. And then he reflected on Katron Allen. He said, Katron is someone that's going to give you a quality four, five, six yards every single time he touches the football. He doesn't go backwards. He's always falling forward. So they complement each other. That's the important part of this. They are not the same running back. They are two different players that mutually benefit each other. So after the defense is gashed from a long 50-yard run by Nicholas Singleton, boom, Katron Allen punches it in for the touchdown because he's the bigger, bulkier back. Now, I'm not saying that Singleton's weak. He can definitely do that as well, but it's thunder and lightning. Katron Allen, your thunder, and Nicholas Singleton is definitely your lightning. So the fact that James didn't have a lot to say, I think, speaks volumes because it was pretty straightforward. There's nothing we don't know about these running backs already. They need to be in the Heisman conversation. The way that the on three host framed it was that these guys should be in the Heisman conversation, that you have two Heisman candidates. And I'm glad I, I want to start the Heisman campaign for both Singleton and Allen, not just one or the other, both of them, because they are capable of each getting over a thousand yards rushing. I think both of them could end up with 20 touchdowns together. Maybe something like Katron Allen has 12 and Singleton has eight. But I think between the two of them, they can combine for 2,000 rushing yards at least and 20 touchdowns, period. I, I think that's a good stat line or at least a good projection for both of them. Now, there is a question mark at wide receiver because going back to James Franklin's point about Drew Aller, uh, he has a lot of help around him. He said the reason that he thinks Drew Aller will be able to succeed is because they have a chance to be, this is almost a direct quote, they have a chance to be better at running back. That's true because these good players are just getting older. They have a chance to be better at offensive line. They have a chance to be better at tight end. And all of that is true, but he hesitated at wide receiver. 
Once again, we're back to wide receiver. He said that it's a question mark at wide receiver, that he saw some good things in spring, but there's still some more left to be said. Again, we go back to the everydayers know this, that we're here when we were talking about the wide receiver specifically. He only highlighted Keandre Lambert-Smith. He didn't really name Amari Evans. He did single out Trey Wallace again, but he's, like I said, he's giving compliments to people that deserve it. So it is telling when James Franklin's silent about something, that something's not right. But when he is hyping them up to the media or just in these interviews, uh, that's important as well. So question marks still remain at wide receiver based on the spring, but then tight end. Okay. So no one's not many people are talking enough about the tight end room because Brenton Strange goes off to the NFL. He was a second round pick. And that is a huge loss in talent, especially with what Brenton Strange did as a blocker. Now, he was the safety blanket for Sean Clifford, but as a blocker, he was basically a sixth offensive lineman. Now you turn to Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. These guys are veterans. They've been with the program for quite some time. Theo Johnson, we've been waiting on his breakout for quite a bit of time. Now, both of them have been unavailable for the spring. I don't know specific reasons, but here's what we do know, that the tight end room had bumps and bruises. And at the beginning, he said Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, Coach Franklin said this, that they were dealing with some bumps and bruises. So there was also that in the media, Theo Johnson's assault charges. Well, they're no longer assault charges. They've been dropped to a misdemeanor. So I guess that is good in terms of avoiding a suspension. Maybe there is some disciplinary action here. Maybe there was in the spring. You just kind of have to follow the timeline along with what happened with Theo Johnson and, you know, punching some guy at a party. It has been downgraded to a misdemeanor because they called it a mutual altercation, a mutual fight. Uh, So, but with that being said, we're looking at better prospects for Theo Johnson's on-field availability. So Johnson, of course, you're your better pass catcher. Tyler Warren can do the same. I think he's got flypaper hands, but Warren is a better blocker than Johnson is. So those two can complement each other, but it's not just about them. It's about the fact that Jerry Cross has improved. It's the fact that Khalil Dinkins was dominating winter workouts without Johnson and Warren being available from what it seems. And then what can the freshmen bring? Andrew Raplia, Joey Schlaffer, Matthias Barnwell, Mega Barnwell. Those guys have talent too. They have two four stars and a three star here. And, and Barnwell is considered by some to be the best. The takeaway here is the depth is exceptional. They are exceptional. You, I feel comfortable in a case if Khalil Dinkins has to play more football, if Jerry Cross ends up seeing some more opportunities. And then the freshman is particularly Raplia because he was ranked as, the, as a top 10 tight end very consistently. I think Theo is a breakout candidate. That's according to the national media. You talk to anyone around Penn State, they love Tyler Warren as a breakout candidate. Dinkins and Cross shined in winter workouts, and then the freshmen have all the potential in the world. So James Franklin had a lot of positive things to say. That's why I hope you're not bluffing, Coach, because this team is setting up really nicely for the 2023 season. Now, that was the offense. What about the defense for Penn State? Let's talk about James Franklin's thoughts on them, plus Olu Fashnu specifically. We'll go to him and then the defense first let's hear a word from our sponsor of the show and that is built are you looking for a delicious snack but you don't want all the sugar and calories then you got to try the best 
tasting protein bar ever, and that is Built. You got to try this. If you're like me, where you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Pops. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they're so amazing, you're not going to think they're good for you. You've got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That is right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievably tasty flavors, churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around anymore to get a box. For years, we've been saying go to Built.com to get your Built bars, but now you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com, but you can get Built Bars at your local Walmart or your local Sam's Club. That is right. Run to the pharmacy section at your local Walmart and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, a coconut puff. And if you're by a Sam's Club, run in and grab yourself a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. And once again, thanks so much for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. Appreciate the every, every day as you come here and support the podcast wherever you listen to them or on YouTube. Thanks so much. Offer some feedback in the comment section as well. And Penn State Rivals has made Locked on Nittany Lions your go-to podcast. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com for all the latest for Penn State athletics. Grateful to be in a partnership with them. James Franklin gave that recent interview, 12 minutes of honestly, a lot of insight into the team because I also thought it was important in the fact that he detailed how they are planning for the season. Okay, and we'll talk about Olu Fashionu and the defense in a second, but this team, the way that they prepare, of course, he said, you know, West Virginia, West Virginia, West Virginia, West Virginia. And that's why I said it's candid. It was such a candid interview. He said that, you know, yes, everything's about West Virginia, but we've already started to plan for the first four opponents. This is nothing new, of course, right? It's nothing new. It's not like they woke up one day, Manny Diaz, James, and Mike Yersich looked around at each other and said, you know, let's plan a little bit further out. But they already have, it sounds like, the official game plans for four of the opponents and some stuff for Ohio State and Michigan because, of course, that was asked. You know, what the Michigan and Ohio State are the mountains. How are you going to get over them? Okay. The, the Big Ten East and the SEC West are by far the best divisions in college football. James Franklin agrees with me. I agree with him. That's definitely the case. And you, you gotta be, you gotta be competitive. Uh, Big 10 East uh, has sent a someone every, almost every single time other than Wisconsin out of the Big 10 West. Uh, there really hasn't been anybody else that's been relevant from that side of the vision. It's always been Penn State, Ohio State, mainly Ohio State and Michigan, of course, I hate saying that, but Penn State's been in there as well. Michigan State has been competitive, to say the least, and and it's really only been Wisconsin on the other side. So the Big Ten East is one of the best divisions, if not the best division in all of college football alongside the Big Ten West. But I thought that was important, talking about preparation for the season and that it's all West Virginia, but the first four games seem to have a solidified plan. At least they're 95% of the way there, and then they'll keep working up the schedule. Olu Fashionu, this is, of course, why the offensive line has a, quote, chance to be better, according to Coach Franklin. Olu Fashionu came back. Something that, again, I'm going to reference this again. The everydayers have heard this. James Franklin told Olu Fashionu to go into the draft. 
there let's let's be honest here if a good coach a good system will tell you to do what's best for you if olu fashion who had a chance to go into the top 10 as an nfl draft prospect coach franklin is going to be there championing him encouraging him to go to the nfl and that's exactly what he was doing because he's a great coach Olu Fashionu declined. Of course, there were some other things involved here. It wasn't just about passing up a top 10 pick opportunity, being a top 10 selection. But Olu and his family, at least this is the way that Coach Franklin said this, and this is what we what we know from having special guests on in the past and the way that what Olu was thinking about. Okay, education was a top priority to him. His goal and his family's goal, they the plan was to be at Penn State for four years and to get his degrees. So that, that is the fact of the matter here. James Franklin also pointed out that Olu has the highest GPA on the team. He's incredibly intelligent. It shows up on the football field. But we've heard for quite some time that for, for Olu, his priorities are school first and then football. And it shows he's staying at Penn State for at least one more year. I think this will be his final year. And then he will go into the 2024 NFL draft. But that shows a lot about a player who cares about his personal advancement, of course, what he can do for the Penn State football team. So uh, according to James, their minds were made up. Olu and his family, their minds were made up that he was going to stay at Penn State. Also something that factored in here, when Olu was making this decision, he was just 20 years old. Just 20 years old. I know the NFL is, is of course, getting younger. You see prospects going in as young as 20. But that was something that was important to them. That Olu at the age of 20 may not have been ready from a maturity standpoint to step into the NFL and wanted that extra year of college. But I think the biggest part of it was the was his finishing his degree and then going off to the NFL. People say it all the time. Coaches say it. You won't have football forever. So it's always important to have something else along your side. And then the defense. Okay, so what is the defense bringing to the table? Well, James says there's so many people on this defense that he doesn't want to name them because then, as he said, that the players are going to get, well, they're going to get mad at him because they, coach, how could you leave me off the list? And I totally get where they're coming from. So that's, a, so he let the, he let on three name some of the players that they were going to talk about, but he did bring up Chop Robinson. Of course, Kalen King was mentioned. The question was structured around Abdul Carter and what Carter's going to do wearing that number 11, being the face of this defense. But you can't forget about Kalen King. You can't forget about Chop Robinson. James Franklin also brought up Curtis Jacobs that if you're going to talk about Abdul Carter, don't forget who's right next to him and that is Curtis Jacobs so this is a solid linebacker group that Penn State has uh, and and here is the ultimate takeaway James kept going back to the fact that there were so many players on this defense yeah you're going to have your 11 starters but it's the fact that he mentioned how much depth there was that there were just so many players and, and he said specifically it is the best team in memory when it comes to defense of how many players there are available that's a testament to the recruiting class of 2023. And just to name a few guys who are probably going to be contributing as true freshmen, I think Elliot Washington will. I think Denar, uh, Dakari Nelson could. I think Tamir Robinson and Tony Rojas will play as linebackers. And Jameel Lyons. Those are just some of the names. There are, of course, many others. And I hope you know they see this, they listen to this. They're going to say, well, he didn't name me. And it's honestly, it's not, it's not to be disrespectful. There's a lot of you. There, there really are. And James made that a point that this defense is chock full of talent. They're, they are going to race all over the field. 
the most important part of this is the depth because you're going to have bumps and bruises. You're going to have injuries and you're going to have those guys, some of which enrolled early and got that extra step. So now that they've been with the team for about six, seven months now, Penn State is not a good spot defensively. Another year of Manny Diaz as the defensive coordinator. There's not going to be so much of a learning curve. You're looking at a football team that has a young quarterback with all the potential in the world. Again, what Coach Franklin said can be better at running back, offensive line, tight end, the defense. Too many names that you can't even name them. And the best group in memory. That sounds like a lot of promise. Coach, I hope you're not bluffing about this team because it's going to make the 2023, 2023 season all that more exciting. And with that being said, some more final thoughts on the Elite 11 camp. Again, just a little over a week ago, Ethan Grunkmeyer made his commitment to Penn State and got that Elite 11 finals invitation on the spot after the local regional held in State College. Let's talk about those final thoughts with Zane Bransfield here in the final segment. This is the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast. I am Zach Seiko, your host, and I'm joined by a very special guest who's going to be helping out this show quite a bit uh, for the foreseeable future, and that is Zane Bransfield. Zane was at the Elite 11 camp. He's a student with Penn State Altoona. He's going to eventually make it to Penn State main campus, but he's fully entrenched in the media field feel just like all of us. Zane, it's great to have you on the show for the first time. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So you were at the Elite 11 Northeast Regional as well with me. Uh, we were scouting Ethan Grunkmeyer. We were scouting a variety of quarterbacks, of course, given that it was a quarterback camp, right? But particularly for yourself, you know, we, we set up with a plan to particularly scout Grunkmeyer. So you did a lot of that work. I, I kind of floated around from spot to spot, taking in a bunch of different quarterbacks. Uh, but you uh, had a, a primary spotlight on Ethan Grunkmeyer. So what were your takeaways from seeing the Ohio native sling the football around on Sunday? Well, first of all, I was surprised. Like we look at his things online and it says he's a three-star recruit and I'm out there watching him throw the ball. He was in a group with some other good players like Puglisi who's committed to Georgia mm -hmm. and he was throwing the ball just as good as him if not better and considering he got that final nod to go to the final 11 I was like he's pretty good but it wasn't just like his throwing power or whatever that made him different it was like also his athletic ability just in general it's like he could catch the football like some five-star wide receivers out there too when he was on like the other lines and yeah. stuff but he was just natural athletic dodging, as you can see in our video, and he just looked really good, really polished. He didn't look like a junior in high school. Yeah, rising senior, right? Uh, Ethan, you know, going from junior to senior, of course. And, I mean, he is somebody that is listed as a pro-style quarterback, but I think Ethan, he said, he said in the interview, you and I talked to him after the Elite 11 camp, and he said, I like to see myself as being an athletic pro-style quarterback. So he's not necessarily a dual threat, but he can tuck in and run. So he does have comparable traits to a Sean Clifford to uh, Trace McSorley even. Uh, Trace McSorley was more of your natural dual threat because that's just what he did. He was a tough player. And Sean Clifford could have been more of a dual threat quarterback, but they wanted to keep him in the pocket. And that's just the way that Penn State does things now with its quarterback. 
Jets with James Franklin and Mike Yersich kind of adapting this offense to more uh, of a different style. Joe Moorhead and Ricky Ronnie had a different philosophy. Uh, and here Mike Yersich is more interested in having a pro-style quarterback sit back in the pocket, dissect defenses rather than putting him sometimes in harm's way. Uh, and, and it showed at times with the way that McSorley and Clifford would get banged up and it would kind of limit the capacity they could be utilized in. But Ethan does have that in his back pocket if he wants to run. I particularly like the drills where he would roll out of the pocket. They'd simulate it, right? They'd throw a bag at him or have a coach come at him as basically a pass rusher. And they would try to get these quarterbacks to roll out and see how they would throw on the run. And Ethan did very well in those drills. I, like you said, you hit it right on the head. He, he looked really good in all the drills. He looked athletic. And like he talked with us afterwards – like you said in the interview, he said he was a pro-style quarterback and he wanted to be able to do what he could. And you mentioned like Mike Yurkic, like runs a different style. And yep. he said he likes that and he wants to be able to fit in that Penn State lineup and be able to be in the locker room with guys like Drew Aller and Bo Prabula and Jackson or Jackson. And I think he will fit in and he may not be that dual threat like McSorley, but he reminds me of Clifford, but he I think he's more athletic than Clifford, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do, especially upcoming his senior year, and just follow him and see how he progresses and get better. Well, he got the eighth invite, and for Elite 11, they take 20 quarterbacks across the entire country. So if they felt confident enough to make him the eighth selection, that kind of already tells you, and Zane, you said you noticed that the elite 11 has him as a top 10 quarterback right now for the class of 2024. So <laughs> this, this conversation that Penn state people were having, whether it was fans or just college spec to college football spectators, they were saying that, well, Penn state settled and they didn't really get the quarterback that they wanted because they missed on Van Buren or they missed on Croman hope who's down at Florida state. And I beg to differ, differ. I think someone like Ethan Grunkmeyer will be ranked ahead of Michael Van Buren probably by the time that these rankings are finalized or that they're set in, or they'll be, they'll be pretty close to one another. I don't think there's going to be a sizable gap between the two as prospects. I definitely agree with you. I think he can be higher, especially he was in the same group and I was following him there with Puglisi. Puglisi's a four star. And yep. I thought now Puglisi's throwing like a bullet every time, but I thought Ethan looked more polished as far as, like throwing the ball, the guy would catch it over his shoulder where Puglisi would sometimes get it behind him or it wasn't right on target, which isn't against him. It was just Ethan looked really good and polished. And I'm frankly, I don't know where his flaws would be. I'll commend Ethan right now for his accuracy. I think that it, in terms of zip, in terms of spiral, it, it is on the money every single time accuracy was definitely the best of the camp. And then when we talked to the president, Brian Stump, he said that he confirmed what we thought, what we saw with our own eyes, that the coaches said that Ethan was the most consistent out of the group. And it was a known brainer to give him this offer. I think Puglisi will ultimately get invited to the elite 11 finals. They're still going, going to go through all of the regionals that they had and select loca locations, right? In Texas, Florida, you name it. Uh, the Northeast being at state college, Pennsylvania, but uh, Ethan was so good on, Sunday that they directly invited him uh, and that it's not left up for debate uh, is pretty telling, pretty impressive. And Penn State continues to find the diamond in the rough in these classes. That's it's tr trust the process. And that's been the conversation we've had on Locked on Nittany Lions through this whole thing, right? 
Yeah, it's disappointing to miss out on Michael Van Buren because you recruited him for three years. Yes, Luke Cromenhoek was one of your first choices, but ultimately some things, some some dominoes fall another way. But Penn State did get its target, and that's something we want to hit home here uh, on all these conversations that we had uh, present, past, and definitely the future as well. Zane, it was great to talk to you. Can't wait for other conversations that you and I will get to have uh, in the very near future. Where can people keep up with uh, what you do and? your conversations and what you want to talk about when it comes to Penn state football and men's basketball. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Zane Bransfield, as you can see on the screen. Mm -hmm. And if you stay posted there or also follow me on YouTube at Zane Bransfield and keep up to new, keep up to date on all the new stuff. All right. Fantastic. Zane, thanks for joining another episode of locked on Nittany lions here. Can't wait to have you back on. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow along wherever you get your podcast. Share this episode with friends and family and keep it all right here for more conversations around Penn State football, men's basketball, and all 31 varsity sports.